right. Well, good morning. It's a beautiful fall. Well, not fall yet, but a beautiful somewhat fall day, right? I'm loving this weather. And we are today, we're, um, we're closing the book of Acts as a church. And it's been neat to see what God has been doing through the book of Acts as we've seen the gospel change hearts and lives walking through the book of Acts. We titled the sermon series, We Are Witnesses, Boldly Proclaiming Jesus and His Resurrection. And that's what you see all through the book of Acts. The value of people, how Jesus loves to transform and change people's lives. Jesus loves people. He values people. And I think today in our society, the value of people is being diminished. Do you see that at all? Like, is everybody aware of this concept of AI and how it is kind of changing and transforming our society? Like robots, the importance of robots and what they're doing into our culture. Is it Elon Musk who said that... uh, that AI is the most dangerous thing to happen to humanity. So people, get ready. Robots are taking over the world. Right? Not the zombie apocalypse, the robot apocalypse. It's going to come in and change our world. And it's not for good. And it's interesting. I think the reason why I say that is because robots are going to stop human interaction. Are you aware right now that, that robots actually are delivering pizzas using carts and cars and, like, sending them to people's homes? And then, like, I had a client tell me he was in California at some um, Japanese restaurant. He's waiting on the server, and a little robot, like, scoots in, and this is, here's your food. Robots are becoming cashiers in, in, in gas stations, in places of service, at banks. They really are they're taking over the world. This is crazy. And what that is doing, it's stopping the beautiful presence of people in someone else's life. Like, I'm so tired of, I want to call the business, and I get on the phone, and the first person that answers the phone is who? The robot. And I, I just want... Would a person just please answer the phone for me? And I say that because I, I think I just value the welcoming presence of people. I mean, isn't it nice to go into a, a hotel or a restaurant or a bank and there's a person there to greet you, to say, hey, thank you for coming. How can we serve you? How can we help you in any way? There's just, there's just something about that innate in our human hearts that we love the presence of people. And now because of the digitalization of the American age, we're losing the power of the presence of people, the power of the welcoming presence of people. And I want to say that if you're a Christian, to be a Christian, it, it means to be welcoming. That's what it should, 
characterize your life. You should welcome people of all shapes and sizes, colors and creeds into your life because you love people. You love welcoming people. And Paul, at the end of Acts, it's fascinating. You see Paul being the epitome of welcoming people. He welcomed people into his presence and he welcomed people in the very presence of Jesus Christ. That's what you see at the book, at the end of the book of Acts. And so join with me. Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 28. So you go to the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And then we'll end here in Acts. Acts 28, we'll be reading from verses 17 through 31. And so Paul is now being sent to Rome. And while he's in Rome, this is what happens. Remember, he's in prison in a home where people can come visit him. Verse 17, it says, After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet... I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it's because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And they said to him, We've received no letters from Judea about you. And none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it's spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning until evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God, trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but you'll never understand. And you'll indeed see, but you'll never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense. And he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Boom! Close the book. That's the end. And that's where the story goes. The message of Jesus goes on. 
This is the word of God. And the word of God continues to move this day and change hearts and lives for the sake of eternity. That people would turn their hearts, be healed, and believe in the risen Savior that has come to change all of our lives for the good of all of humanity. That is the book of Acts in a nutshell. It's interesting. I love that Michael, Michael put the theme, boldly proclaiming Jesus and his resurrection. How does the book end? Paul, boldly proclaiming Jesus and his resurrection. Right, so the author typically tells you the whole story at the beginning of a book, at the end of the book. We see it here at the end. How does he begin in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? How does he begin? It's quite fascinating. Jesus ascends to heaven. The Spirit of God, for the first time, falls on believers. And this is what it says. You will receive power. When the Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's how the book ends. The Spirit of God falls fresh on Paul. And what does he do? He witnesses and testifies to this glorious resurrection of Jesus, God incarnate, who's come to save everyone. That's the book of Acts in a nutshell. And that's the story that God is working in your life and in my life. And that's the theme that we're trying to land on today. The big idea for today is that we are witnesses. We are witnesses welcoming people to Jesus is a life well lived. Do you, do you believe that? That if your life is all about welcoming people to Jesus, that you will say that's a life well lived. Clearly, that's what Paul is showing us and we're seeing it very, very clearly in him. Paul in verses 31, 30 through 31, welcomes everyone and tells them about Jesus. And I love that he uses the word welcome. You know, when you think of a person that has a welcoming presence about them or a welcoming spirit, the word welcome just means that, that they gladly accept people in their life. Like a welcoming person is the person that when you meet them, you just kind of feel like you're at home. And aren't those attractive people? I love being around a person that's so welcoming. It's so, it's like so refreshing. And you know, that's the way Jesus is. Jesus is so welcoming. He welcomes the stranger he, he welcomes the person that's been rejected all their lives. He welcomes the person who feels condemned and all alone. He, work, he welcomes the person who's been struggling, who no one wants to see, 
or touch. Jesus welcomes everyone. He also welcomes the rich and the poor, the black, the white, the Asian. Jesus is the epitome of someone who's welcoming. And so Paul, Paul lives a life that is all about welcoming people to Jesus. That's his one passion. And I don't think that you can get there You're not going to have a life that's so driven to do that unless you have a perspective like Paul did. And I think from the scriptures, there's four kind of things, four perspectives that Paul has that make him a man driven to welcome people to Jesus. And so what are those four perspectives? Here's what I want you to see. Number one, the first perspective is that God is presently active in this world. You've got to be convinced of that. You have to believe that, that God is presently active in your life and in the life of the people that you know. I'm going to give you the cliff notes of chapter 27 through the middle of chapter 28 so that we don't have a three-hour sermon. All right? Cliff notes. We ended with 26... Paul's before King Agrippa, arguing that, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. And Agrippa says, you're right. I'd let you go free. But you appealed to Caesar, sorry, I'm sending you to Rome. So Paul now, in chapter 27, has to sail to Rome from like this place in Caesarea near Jerusalem. People on ship, it's a 1,500-mile trek. This wasn't like taking a taxi across the town, right? 1,500 miles, Paul has to go. And so, there they go, set for sail. What comes along the way? Oh, nothing but a storm. And in the middle of the storm, it's breaking up the ship apart. So the guys and the soldiers are like, we're going to die here. So they got to throw all the supplies out. And they're fearful for their lives. And so at night, an angel appears to Paul and says, Paul, God's with you. No one's going to die in the ship. Trust me. So Paul tells the guys, look, hey, it's going to be okay. We're all going to survive. So the winds blow and they move the ship to an island called Malta. And as, as they're getting ready to land on Malta, what happens? Oh, the boat hits a reef and wrecks. And at the same time, there's these soldiers who are like, we have to kill Paul before he gets off the boat. So the soldiers want to kill Paul, but the centurion says, no, you can't kill Paul. So I'm going to let the people who can swim go to, go to the island first. So the centurion then saves Paul from the soldiers. So Paul has to swim from the boat to the land. Then as Paul's on the island, these people of Malta greet him and welcome him. And why in the midst of having dinner, what happens? Paul moves his hand towards something near the fire and a snake bites him. And the people are like, oh dude, you must really be evil because you're a prisoner. The gods can't stand you, so you're going to die, dude. What happens? He doesn't die. 
God miraculously saves and protects him. And then finally, he lives through all of that. And then centurion who saved him before is called to be on guard of his life in Rome at this place where everybody can come to him. Now, if that were me, it's very clear that God is present if I'm Paul. I mean, he's only saved me a thousand times. God made it very clear. Paul, regardless of the circumstance, I'm with you. Regardless of the circumstance, I'm going to bring you through. Regardless of the circumstance, I will protect you, I will deliver you, and I will use you for my purposes. You and I need to trust him for that. In your life, right now. He will be with you through all the circumstances. He will deliver you. He will protect you. He will use you in people's lives so that they would be welcomed to the presence of Jesus. You must be keenly aware of the presence of God just the way Paul was. And, and maybe for you right now, you're like, Dan, you don't understand. I don't see God at work in my life. And here's my encouragement to you. Pray. Are you, are you praying in such a way where you're asking God to show up in your life? Where you're asking him to do something for you that only he can do? And is God answering your prayers? Do you trust him to answer your prayers. And it doesn't mean that you're wishing on God like a magic genie. What I'm saying is, do you believe that God can work wonders in your life? Because I can tell you, in the past couple of months, I can give you five different prayers that God has answered in my life knowing he's present with me. But if you don't ask, you'll never see his presence. I mean, some of you, I've heard your stories. You know where God's delivered you. Maybe for you, you need to recall, what has God delivered me from? Where has God rescued me like he rescued Paul? God is of rescuing lives because he's rescued all of our lives. Can you trust him for that? God is actively present. And when you believe and know that he's working and actively present, you have all the courage to be bold and welcome people to this God who loves you and loves rescuing all the struggles you're through. He'll be with you through everything. Why would you not want to tell somebody about a God like that? He is actively present in your life and the life of others. That's one perspective. Another perspective he has is that the gospel cannot be stopped. 
Do you believe that? Do you believe that the gospel cannot be stopped? That's why he preaches. He calls all the guys, all the leaders of Jerusalem. He says, I want to talk to you. Right? Look at, uh, look at verse 20, right? He says, for this reason, I've asked to see you. I want to speak with you. It's because of the hope of Israel, I'm chained. <laughs> Paul, Paul knows the gospel is going to change lives. It can't be stopped. It's the hope of Israel. There really is hope. And knowing that, I'm going to talk to all of you about Jesus. Because he is all-powerful. The gospel cannot be stopped. And the, so what do you see happen? In verse 23, they all come to him. They all come to him. And here's what Paul does. It says, from morning till evening. Don't make light of that. Like that's, you know, we're at nine o'clock till five, six, seven, ten, twelve hours. Paul is talking and talking and talking about Jesus and explaining rationally, here's the reason why you should believe. So he's talking philosophy, talking through their questions. He's walking from the book of Genesis, the book of Psalms, the law, the prophets. is convincing and persuading them about Jesus. He was the one spoken of in the Old Testament. Believe on Jesus. He believed in the power of the gospel, that it wouldn't be stopped. And what happened? Verse 24, it says that some were convinced. Did you hear that? Some were convinced. Some of those hard-hearted Jews believed in the Messiah and their lives were changed for eternity. The gospel would not be stopped. The gospel is not chained. Paul believed that. That's what he says in 2 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 8. I think it's to put up here. 2 Timothy 2, 8. Here's what Paul says. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my what? My gospel the gospel that cannot be stopped. I'm suffering. I'm suffering because of this, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. The gospel can't be stopped. We believed in an all-powerful God that is changing the world, that's changing the course of history. Do you believe that? If you believe that, you will be to share the gospel with others. You know, there's something about 
being a part of something that's unstoppable, it's, it's kind of motivating. I think you understand, has anybody ever been on a, a sports team and you feel like, dude, our team is unstoppable. Like you've been, you've been at it for two or three quarters and like there's this one play that works every time. You shove it down their throat. And so you're confident that, man, if I just do this one play, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to work. It's unstoppable, right? And you're like, yeah, we can do this. Or like, for all of you Home Depot people, okay, you have a project. And this project's not working. And then this thought comes to mind. If... If I put this screw with this bolt and this little widget, it will work. And the, the confidence builds and arises, right? It's so great. Some of you guys are looking at you like, I know what Dan's talking about. And you, and you know it's going to work. You know it. It's unstoppable. And you do it and you're like, see, it's done. Hey, people. The message of the gospel is in you. It's unstoppable. Go. Go and proclaim the welcoming presence of Jesus with all the power of God in you. Because it's the greatest story ever told. And that story is changing lives. And if you believe in the gospel that's unstoppable, you would proclaim him without hindrance. That's why Paul is saying what he is saying. That's why he's doing what he is doing. People believed. The Jews believed. At the same time, some of them didn't, right? You look at verse 24. It says others disbelieved. So it looks like, I don't, they rejected the gospel. And so Paul says, okay. He makes this incredible statement because they just like, hey, I'm out of here. I'm checking out. It says to let that this salvation of God has been sent to Then he says these words, they will listen. Pay attention to those three small words. They will listen. You know what Paul was saying? People that are hungry for the gospel. They want to hear about Jesus. They need Jesus. They need good news. They long for the welcoming presence of Jesus in their lives. And it's deep-rooted in their hearts. Which leads us to the, this third point had that the gospel satisfies every human heart the gospel satisfies every human heart that's what paul is saying people will listen michael shared a story last week about them this person he met who's a christian at the fair and this lady said something that was so convicting to michael and she said, don't you find it strange that Christians don't talk about Jesus? Yeah, 
We don't. It's you, it's me. And you know, I, I think sometimes the reason why you and I don't talk about Jesus is because we're convinced that he won't listen. <laughs> like, if I just talk about him, it's always going to fall on deaf ears. That's not what Paul says. So why do you believe that? That's not what God says. So why do you believe that? Do you really believe that the gospel satisfies every human heart? Hey, you all, look. I'm surrounded by non-believers most of my working day. And I hear their hearts. Many times people are saying, don't, don't put on the news. I don't, I don't want to listen to the news. I don't want to watch the news. Because I'm so tired of the chaos and the discouraging news, the evil I see. And those are their words. There's a longing to hear about hope. There's a deep longing to hear about hope. No, no, no. We, we have a fascination with, it's all about my identity and, and who I am. And the reason why that exists is because deep in the heart of humankind is that this, we all really do long to be accepted and loved just the way we are. Hey, I, I have good news. That's the gospel. It really is the gospel. Christianity tells you that God, God created you just the way you are. And he loves you just the way you are. And that you are tremendously accepted and loved beyond your wildest imagination because he cares for you. That's enough. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to show you that God loves and cares for you. That if you would turn from your ways and just trust him and believe him, you'd have this amazing relationship that truly is satisfying with a God who is a loving father, who's merciful and kind, and yet beyond us and above us, holy and awesome in power. The gospel is the cry of the human heart. Do you believe that? And that in Christ, all of your longings are truly met. That's why Jesus, you know, that's why Jesus says what he says. He knows that you will be satisfied with me. So this is what he says in Matthew 9. That gets up here. Crowds. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
You hear what Jesus is saying? Hey, there is the harvest out there. Hey, Christian, people will listen. They will. That's why pastor said what he said. He said, why should we expect a harvest if we're not planting seeds? Pastor, you're right. That's silly of us. We have to plant seeds and trust the Spirit of God to open hearts. Trust the Spirit. People will come to Jesus. Seed. They will listen. I, I almost think of that illustration, right, of, um, what's that movie? Oh, gosh. Uh, Field of Dreams. If some, I'm dating myself. This movie was like in the early 90s, late 80s. I have no idea. But it's a story of this guy who wants to see his baseball player dad come back to life so he can see him again. And there's this scene where like this angel dude, if you would just build this baseball field in the middle of nowhere, believe it or not, thousands of people are going to come to watch this baseball game. And he's kind of like, are you nuts? But he says, okay. I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to build this baseball field. And he does it. And then you see like a mile long lane of cars coming just because he built it. And you get to watch his dad, who's like a ghost, play. But he, he had to believe if he built it that these folks would come. Right? You all know the story. And I just want to say, like, for us, if you just plant the seed, if you would just plant the seed, the Spirit of God will change their hearts. And you've got to trust that. Listen, they will listen. We have the hope of the world. We have a God that satisfies every longing of the human heart. Why would you not plant a seed? People will listen. There will be rejection. But there will be people that will listen and believe. The Spirit of God will enable us to be the very welcoming presence of Jesus because people, they listen to people who have the welcoming presence of Jesus. And how can you and I be that? And so then finally... This last perspective that Paul has is that every sacrifice you make is worth the glory. Every sacrifice is worth the glory. Let's go back to verses 30 through 31. It says this. It says, He lived there two whole years at his own expense, and he welcomed all who came to him proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, this is very interesting to see that Paul was here now in Rome in prison for two years. He had already spent two years in prison. So, like, Paul's been in prison for, like, four to four and a half years 
at this point. And notice, it was at his own expense. Did you catch that? All right, people, like prison, it's prison today. You know, some prison today, and like they get great meals, they can watch TV, they can work out. Man, they can live the dream in prison in a sense. Not here. You had to pay your own way for lodging, for food. You had to have friends. You had to have savings. It was at your cost and expense. In other words, Paul is sacrificing. Paul, he has sacrificed so much. I mean, the guy had been beaten to death, imprisoned, sick. He was at risk of being killed all the time by the Jews, shipwrecked, betrayed by friends. If there's anybody that understands suffering, it's Paul. And then what is he doing the whole time in the midst of life when life isn't great? <laughs> He's welcoming people to Jesus even though his life doesn't always look great. That's a good word for us. Sometimes our life doesn't always look great. In the midst of your sorrows, in the midst of struggles, there's an amazing power of welcoming others to Christ in the midst of it all. And sometimes God uses your suffering to even make your testimony more powerful for the person who's hearing. God is working all of the struggles to a greater purpose in your life where people will be welcomed to Jesus. Every moment of our lives is to be about welcoming people to Jesus. And I, I think it's true that people really do encounter Jesus through the welcome they receive by us. You catch that? People really do encounter Jesus through the welcome they receive by us. And so what does that look like for you today? What does it look like for you to be the welcoming presence of Jesus to someone? And I don't want to dismiss this. Greeting people matters. Like this simple greet. Or when someone walks by, to smile and say hello. Or a hug to a coworker. Or just a, the loving presence of just being there for someone. Those small things matter. We want people to feel at home when they experience our presence. How can you do that? What way as a neighbor, as a coworker, even as a member of your family, how can you always be that way to people? And church, can I just share with you, you excel at this. Ignacio knows the story. 
You know, there, there, there's been a family that's come from Cuba, and, and they were so welcomed by you all that they were in tears in my home sharing with what it meant to them personally for how you all were with them. Does your presence almost bring a sense of elation when people see you? That's kind of what it means to be the welcoming presence of Jesus. And then another way, how are you taking time to listen to someone's story? We're so busy. <laughs> busy at work. Busy with our phone. Busy with AI. We're so busy that we kind of push people out. Would you take the time to hear someone's story, just to get to know them. And here's what I find. If I take the time to listen to someone's story, they're typically open up to hear my story. And, and you know, when they're open to hearing your story, it ultimately leads for you to share with them the greatest story of how this great God has made you and I to be loved and cared for and accepted. And he laid down his life so that you could be friends with him. That's the gospel. How can we be the welcoming presence of Jesus? We have to understand that it is a life well lived. At the end of this, Paul's, Paul's life, his, the end of his life is not recorded here in Acts, right? We don't know. What happened to Paul? Weird way to end the story. It's not. But we don't know how Paul ended. Most historians think that Paul, under the um, Emperor Nero, who persecuted Christians horribly, most people think that Nero had Paul beheaded while he was in prison for the second time. Near the end of his life, as he knows that he's going to be crucified, or not crucified, but executed, as he knows his execution's coming, he writes a book, 2 Timothy. And here's how he ends the book of 2 Timothy. Chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is coming. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, he will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Why was the sacrifice worth it to Paul? Why would he suffer execution? Glory. Glory was coming. Paul believed in a day that the great God that created all of this will make 
all things new again. That he will make a new world where there will no longer be evil or pain or suffering or harm. There will be a day, someday, when you and I will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords and with joy we will worship him. And these will be the words we will say to this great God. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive all power, all glory, and all dominion, and all honor. And we will sing with a song, with a joy that's inexpressible. It will be beyond your wildest dream and imagination. Heaven is our home. And we will be welcomed into the presence of Jesus in such an amazing way. It's worth it. All your sacrifices are worth it because you and I are going to an eternal kingdom that is unbelievable. You all, we are part of the greatest story that's unfolding the pages of history before our very eyes. It's exciting to be a part of this. And that's why Acts ends the way it does. It doesn't end with Paul died. It's not about Paul. It's about the kingdom of God. It goes forward. The word of God goes forward. And it goes on and goes on until the day he comes. What greater thing could you be a part of than this? To welcome people to Jesus in the kingdom he is bringing now and for all of eternity. Amen? And you and I are part of it. Praise the living God. Let's pray. Jesus, you are worthy. You're worthy of it all. And you satisfy every longing that we have. And Lord, I can't wait for the day you come again and free me from my fears. You are the hope of life. You give us everything. So Lord, help us today to be the welcoming presence of Jesus in this world, that we would bring your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.